from Studio A in Podcast Village, Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C. This is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It's Backroom Politics with your host and moderator, Justin Russell. Hello, hello out there in Radio Land. It is time for the best political talk show you've never heard of. It is Backroom Politics. I am your host and moderator, Justin Russell. Joining me to my left, ironically, he is the former... Uh, he is the former Undersecretary of Commerce for International Trade. He is the one that has served last count four presidents. He's the one that we know as Alan Moore. Hello, Alan. Hello, Justin. Welcome back. We missed you last week. Well, I had other duties. I guess so. Fam- family's important. Uh, behind the glass, Rob, the engineer, joining us as always. Thank you, Robert. Hello, hello. And hopefully we'll get uh, Admiral Ken Cullion from Boca del Vista and Dan Lipner. From the West Coast. Uh, But obviously, a lot of people are wondering, okay, number one, what is our take on the Mueller report? Oh, we have so much to talk about this segment. It is 450 pages. It is red-acted, color-coded, according to the Attorney General's color-coding system for red-action. It is in two volumes, three binders, and an interesting read if you read it cover to cover. Uh, so many things to go at, and what I thought we'd do today, Alan, is I want to start off by going with, let, let's start up to the lead up, because I think there's a lot of discussion regarding the lead up and how Attorney General William Barr handled the lead up. Uh, we had the initial uh, press conference when the report was handed in. He took some flack for that, but on the day before the release, or I'm sorry, the morning of the release of the report, William Barr, the Attorney General for the United States, held a press conference and gave a speech. And let me start by, what was your take of that speech, Alan? What did did you come away with the impression of? Well... I don't have any problem with William Barr and how he handled this. Would I have handled it exactly the same way? Probably not exactly the same way. But what what I noticed was when he originally announced right. that he had the report and put out a four-page letter that, that was a very, very brief summary, which he acknowledged was a summary, there was nothing really left out there. Um, in that he, you know, the big que- the big point was there was no evidence of the and the, the the word that's been used collusion with the Russians, not not chargeable evidence, if you will, of collusion. Um, and then on the question of obstruction of justice, he acknowledged in the letter that the uh, uh, that the Mueller report. Uh, described in great detail all information related to obstruction, did not exonerate the president. At the same time, it did not find a chargeable offense. So it 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 was different than the collusion question. The president cho- chose to conflate the two and said no collusion, no obstruction, which was not what the report says, and it's not what Barr said. So if you'll remember, in the, in the immediate aftermath of that report, there was, there was a little, oh, gosh, darn it, we were hoping for collusion from, from, from the, the, the haters of, of, of Trump, um, and, uh, and said, but gosh, 
He didn't say that he's ex- that the, the report doesn't say he was exonerated. Barr took Did, some grief. He took some flack at that time. Um, and we'll for the, for the letter or for the press conference? Well, for both. He yeah. took, but but not in the immediate aftermath. It was like, oh shoot, we were hoping to to have the president by by the short ones and 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 head on the way down to uh, to impeachment, massive embarrassment, whatever. Or the the attorney general also said, I hope and expect very soon to have a a a redacted version of the report itself, but we need some redactions. Right. So then a few days after this initial, oh, my gosh, it's not what we were hoping, then we started seeing the attacks on the attorney general. Oh, he did a disservice in his initial report. Oh, we don't want a redacted version. We want everything. We want everything. We want everything. And you started to see this litany where everyone who is talking publicly, and it was a handful of folks, were sort of talking from the same talking points. And even then, before the redacted version came out, people started saying, we want an attorney general for all the people, not a private attorney for for, uh, for the president. Now, 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 let's be clear. This, this is before the morning press conference Absolutely. of the release. This was leading up to this it. This was leading up to we it. Were, okay. We were getting all this talk about the attorney general needing to do his job, the attorney general needing to turn over the entire report. Uh, and you think to, those criticisms were unfair? I, I do think they were unfair. I think they were wrongheaded, and I think they were totally coordinated. If you look, not I don't have a problem with the fact that they were coordinated, but when you see the same words, the same thoughts again and again, and only slightly but modified we heard, But version. we're hearing this. I mean, we talk about coordinated. Can you at least acknowledge the fact that it could be construed that the White House and Bill Barr coordinated? It was almost the same language. He kept saying, no collusion, no collusion. That is a Trump talking point and has been. And it doesn't trouble me. That's how people have thought about it from the beginning. Um, He could have said, and I probably would have opted to say um, no con- n- insufficient evidence of conspiracy or collaboration or coordination, which are the words that are in the Mueller report. Right. But it didn't bother me that the shorthand of collusion was the one that that Barr chose right. to use. Let's, let's fast forward. It didn't bother me. But let's fast forward to the morning of the release and the pre-release press conference that yep. he gave where he had uh, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, and there was one other up there. Yeah, uh, a, depu- a, a deputy, senior deputy yeah, to Rosenstein. Right. Yep. And uh, the reality is a lot of criticism on Barr for that particular press conference. The accusation has been made that he was acting more like the president's general counsel or White House counsel than he was as Attorney General of the United States. You don't buy that. I don't buy it. Why? (laughs) Because I don't think it's true. I don't think it's valid. I think that he was given a a 20-minute commentary, took a few questions, and said, here's the report, folks. Read it. And and the redactions are 5 or 6% of the total. He's offered to, to... 
make most of the redactions available to the to the famous group of eight and a few staff, the group of eight being the congressional leadership of both parties right. and, and the leaders of the intelligence committees of both parties and a couple of senior staff. The Democrats have rejected that. Nope, not enough. We want the whole thing. That, can, you, wait, can you blame them, though? Can you blame them for want not? I mean, these why are not? These, these are these are people that are that are, are are elected and are entrusted with oversight as a check and balance. Why do you have heartburn that the Democrats would want an unredacted report that they can at least no, no, digest no, no. and make their own conclusion? No, 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 no. So, so what 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 the Democrats are doing is refusing the offer. To, to only show it to that group. The, re, the redactions all have purposes. They're, Understood. One has to do with, with sources and methods. Right. That's why the Intelligence Committee leadership is allowed to be part of the, the group that would see those pieces. Um, the grand jury pieces are prohibited by law from being shared. Right. They can they can write a special law if they want to to see the grand jury stuff. I don't see a lot of stomach for but that. Is there, but is there role in oversight? Do, I mean, the Democrat do the Democrats have an argument to say, look, uh, we'll come up with some compromise, but judiciary and intelligence at minimum should see the unredacted report. So, so judiciary is a, is a different question. From the from the intelligence committee, should the should the judiciary committee see the sources and methods pieces, should or not? I don't know. I it's just sort of an interesting question. Sources and methods are really kept to a small small circle. Understood. So so I, I don't I don't particularly have a strong feeling about that. What what intrigues me here? It, well, and then there's. There's some stuff that relates to ongoing investigations. I I would probably let the judiciary folks see that, but I don't know that I let the intelligence people see that. And then there's this innocent parties piece, people who are not charged with anything and who are pre- presumably in, in the way, not in involved. And the way it was described by the DOJ, it almost sounded it was – that red action was slightly subjective to the Office of Legal Counsel. So – so here's what if I were the Democrats, what I would do, since they've since they 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 have chosen to refuse the original offer, but are engaged in some ongoing conversations. Maybe maybe we can work something out. Is okay. Say, look, judiciary folks get to see this. Intelligent people get to see that. The leaders get to see everything anybody sees. I don't think I don't see room at the moment to show anybody the grand jury stuff. So. Then you have a handful of people who look at most of the the six percent that was redacted, right. and they come across some stuff that they say this shouldn't be redacted. This needs to be shared more broadly, and then they can yell and scream about that. But what they have done is they've put their heads in the sand um, in terms of the offer to see most of the redacted stuff. I just don't get it. Or they could say, they could have a whole different approach. They'd say, okay, if there were anybody in America that we all trusted, and it's hard to find anybody anymore that enjoys the the, the trust, somebody, you know, right. a, a former attorney general or attorneys general, for example, um, who we'd say, let's have these two former 
persons, two former senators. If, right. if, if, if there were someone that both parties could agree with, let two people look at the redactions and say, these are appropriate redactions, these are not. Nobody's talking about that. But, but it, what's interesting to me is we got 94% of 450 pages, and there's a lot of stuff there. There's a lot oh, of yeah. meat there. And we're going to talk about you know, that over the next 45 it, minutes. It, it, the, the, the Democrats won't stop talking about wanting to see all of it and then trashing William Barr. And fine, they can let trash me, him me, all day long. I'm just not buying the. But let me the, let me see the, the, the let me see the, Let me see this. I don't want to. I don't want to completely throw uh, Bill Barr under the bus. I have a tremendous amount of respect for Bill Barr. I will tell you, in a town, especially today, where optics are everything, truth is perception. The perception that he gave was almost his his unflappable demeanor, which is normally one of his greatest assets, I think might have actually been a detriment to him in this case because of the fact it literally sounded like he had gotten the talking points that morning and it was no collusion, no collusion. Uh, there, you know, we couldn't find any... Uh, reason to indict. I checked with Office of Le- 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 uh, the Office of Legal Counsel. They said we couldn't indict him. We're good. And to you me, know, that just to I, me see, that just seems uh, like. Uh, how do you say? How do you say? And we're good. And here's 425 pages for for the world to look at, dissect, challenge, have some hearings on this stuff. Call Mueller. Call me. Do you, We're all do you mean come to tell me that you really believe that the vast majority of the American electorate is going to read no, the 450 pa- no, no, pages? No. But they, they are going. There is a segment that is going to take the word of Bill Barr as he's saying no collusion. They hear that. Oh wait a minute! The president was saying the exact same thing. Huh. Clean. Case closed. We're done. So. <laughs> Uh, it, what's ironic to me is here we're, we're arguing about Bill Barr, which seems right. to me to be a pardon the no pun intended a sidebar to well the, played to the entire report that has all these findings, all these very troublesome. It, it does, and we're going to get that right now. But and it's not about but, but, Barr. But the reason why it's I, about the reason why Mueller spend, and the report. But the reason why I bring up Barr is because of the fact is this is the Attorney General of the United States. There is a certain requirement. There is a certain hope and expectation that this guy is going to provide the ultimate check and balance as the senior attorney in the United States for the American people, and we'll leave it at that. Uh, 450 pages, two and a half year investigation, Alan. Uh, give me at a, your top, think about your top five takeaways from this, your top five breakouts. And I'm going to do the same thing. Give me your number five takeaway. Well, <laughs> you, you can put them in any order five you want. Terms to, I, you know, I'm not sure I've got, I've, 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 I've got five. All right, I, let me but, start but off my, this way. But my, but, but, but my, but my major, my major thoughts are these. Um, Just give me one right now because we got to take up a whole another forty-five minutes. There was, there was no bombshell in really? the report that we didn't already know about 
in concept. Now, what was different was we had more detail and we had the material under oath. So if there's if 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 I'm right that there's no bombshell, no, no new individual big thing that's in there, that suggests that the report will tend to allow both sides or any side, anybody who already had an opinion, to find validation of their opinion right. in this report. If you felt that the that that impeachment is the right answer, there's ample stuff in there. If you felt that that the president uh, that 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 his behavior, troubling as it might be, was largely is has largely been known um, and and is absorbed by the public, then then you could you could dismiss all the detail in that way. Um, because we knew everything, it, it 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 struck me as interesting that if people had been seeing everything for the first time, this would be full of bombshells. Yeah, uh, joining us from the Bay Area. He is the former Joe Biden political operative for the Democratic Party. He's an attorney in the great state of Maryland and the District of Columbia. He's the man we know as Daniel Lipner Esquire. Daniel, how are you? I am doing well, especially when people always do what I tell them to do, except when it's criminal, in which case I never told them to do it. <laughs> Would you care to elaborate on that one, Daniel? Well, it, it, so I, I just uh, chimed, got on uh, r- right after Alan was giving his summary. But uh, the, the president apparently was kind enough to uh, expand w- from the Mueller report saying that people always follow his orders. Nobody doesn't follow he- his orders. He's always in charge and always in command, except if that were indeed true based on the statements made in the Mueller report, some of those are very clearly obstruction of justice, um, at least with for legal minds far greater than mine. I know there aren't many of them, but those that there are uh, ha- ha- have said it's pretty clearly obstruction of justice that uh, his aides who refused to follow his orders um, may have saved the president some pain. That said, still giving the order may still have been sufficient to to uh, to be considered obstruction of justice, but that's a a different issue. And as we know, the Department of Justice will not be pursuing that, so it'll be left for the House. So, so Daniel, let me ask you a question because you know, the, the the two volumes tell two completely different stories. the The volume one, the the collusion or the collaboration or the conspiracy volume talks about the, I mean, it's almost like the Keystone Cops run a presidential campaign. It it shows the, whether you want to call it naivete, the ignorance, or the just outright stupidity of people leading. I don't think it's, I, I don't think it's an or, I think it's an and statement. The ignorance and the naivete and... <laughs> And the corruption of the people. There's but, no ors involved. It's all of them. But you look at you look at the pre you look at the campaign in volume one, and you match it up to the key players like Don McGahn uh, and Rod Rosenstein and others in volume two. It's stupid versus the adults in the room that ignored the orders of the president. But both it seems that both stupidity. And independents 
are keeping Donald Trump out of the boiling water for at least right now. Is that accurate? Sort of. So the puzzle pieces that are still not quite clear and the the portions of the report that I've read uh, seem to suggest if it's not conspiracy with the Russians, man, there's been a lot of handholding going on there. And the common player involved with all of it, though, as the Mueller report correctly says, uh, they were not able to have enough evidence to say this conclusively, uh, that there may actually have been a collusion or conspiracy with the Russians. However, that is not disconnected from the evidence of obstruction. Part of the reason for obstruction is so the obstruction claim so you can gather the evidence for the underlying crime if you can lie your way around getting yourself in trouble for the underlying crime the obstruction exists to prevent that so the fact that the everyone has managed to avoid the truly smoking gun out there that implicates the president in this alleged conspiracy does not mean it could not still be there, which is why the obstruction issue is so important. So aside from the fact that if you take the additional bonus that both the attorney general just embarrassingly said there was no obstruction and the president's team and their victory lap saying there is no obstruction, Um, where all of the evidence in the Mueller report strongly suggests obstruction, and also based on how Mueller has conducted himself, the only reason they didn't use the word obstruction in this case, or at least make the claim of obstruction, is because of Department of Justice guidelines that you can't indict a sitting president. So this is still not the easiest political or legal framework to deal with but those facts as we have them even though we are still missing facts the facts of what is out there seem to suggest there is more to get and so congress doing its constitutional duty which seems to be what Mueller's report has built its framework around um seems to be the next logical so, step so alan moore who should donald trump build a sanctuary and marble statue of for saving his presidency? The Office of Legal Counsel at DOJ or Don McGahn? Well, he, he, that, that, that's a good question. It wouldn't be the Office of Legal Counsel. This is old stuff. Um, uh, that, that, the, the, this uh, not indicting a, a sitting president um, dates back. Uh, bef- now, maybe you're saying generically the Office of Legal Counsel. Um, who, put, who, by that, the way, according to the report, was one pushing the we cannot indict a seated president. Yeah. And, that, and, and Bill Barr made that clear in his but, press conference. But, and, and, so, and so does Mueller in the report. Right. Um, but th- that's not something that the, the current Office of Legal Counsel created. That has been the policy. Uh, and there are good reasons for that. Um, uh and I think, but I, it's not ancient policy. If, if, if my memory serves, it was it's issued in two, 2000. Yeah. No, it was post-Clinton. Post-Clinton. I'm um, sorry, you're right. So, 
So, but but having said that, I mean, we talk about that as being their policy, but there's a lot of reasoning behind that policy and, and, and the notion of whether or not we want presidents to be subject to, vulnerable to, um, uh, uh, indictment. When in fact there's always impeachment that that is is the constitutionally constructed way to to deal with these questions, Don McGahn. Uh, so let, let's play out the 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 notion for a moment that Don McGahn took the step. Actually, let me just interrupt here. Yeah. Let's go to break right now. Okay. And then when we come back, we'll focus on Don McGahn because that's a key play. In this whole thing, he's a bigger figure, I think, than anybody expected. Uh, Dan Lettner, stay with us. I want to go to you on this. This is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It is Backroom Politics from Podcast Village in Washington, D.C. Stay with us. We'll be back in two minutes. Now I'm disgusted. I found him out. Had a show down. What I think of him, how much I love him. I get a desperate notion. That's the way I feel today. Because he's making a plaything of my devotion That's the way I feel today Without any reason Or a word to say That man turned his keys in He packed and went away What good is living I'll soon be giving my body up to the ocean That's the way I feel today That's the way I feel today. Without any reason. 
Studio A in Podcast Village, Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C. This is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It's Backroom Politics with your host and moderator, Justin Russell. Really, really, really liking that new intro. I got to tell you something. Rob, you nailed it. I, I do like that. I do like that music better than the ones I picked out. Thank you, sir. You got it. Bob. Nice job. Dan, what do you think? You like that? Daniel? He's, he's floored. Uh, I, I, I am actually shocked. I thought I, I thought I was listening to a different show for a second. It's music <laughs> from this century. Uh, I mean, geez, uh, I, like no, right, no, right, no people wearing flappers, no gators on their shoes. I, Dan, geez, I, I don't know what this is. Dan, Dan okay, I, I get the point. <laughs> I get the point. Uh, we were sorry he asked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, we are talking about the release of the. Mueller, Mueller, Mueller. Mueller investigation. I was, I, I've been, I've been good about calling him Mueller. A lot of people call him Mueller, Mueller. I've been good about Mueller. The release of the Mueller investigation last week uh, has been the talking points for a lot of the news cycles here in Washington and outside the Beltway. Uh, when we took the break, we were about to go into the man that could probably be credited. As one of the major players of keeping Donald Trump out of hot water, that being former White House counsel Don McGahn, um, you were you were commenting on Don McGahn when we went to break, and I wanted to let you run with that. Yeah, you you had this question of who the president should build a, a statue for, um, Don McGahn or the Office of Legal Counsel, and we I was rejecting the notion of Office of Legal Counsel. Now I'll reject the the notion of Don McGahn. The only the only person that this president's going to erect a statue to is himself. It probably, it probably won't be probably won't be marble. Maybe you can gold, gold plate marble. It'll I don't be know. Gold. Um, it and it, it, but it made me think about. I, I mean, I think that Don McGahn, among other people, did this president uh, some favors along the way by 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 sort of protecting him from himself, uh, from his own worst uh, tendencies, from his own. In many ways, I think uh, his ignorance, his ignorance of how how government works, what the role of an attorney general is. I mean, we, he, he provides ample target-rich environments to be critical of him, and I have certainly uh, not held back uh, in, in my regular criticism of him. Have, at the same time, I think some of the stuff that he steps into, he, he steps into because he just doesn't realize that he's stepping into something. He's been so accustomed in his 70-plus years to getting his own way to have uh, people jump when he sa- tells them to jump, that he's not used to people resisting, even if they're doing it in his own uh, his in his interest. Right. And, and as Dan, Dan said earlier, now he, he's saying 
this it's not true that these people disobeyed him. Nobody disobeys him. Well, obviously, there's a long history of people. Uh, there's in, several in gover- people in this in report government. that disobeyed him. Well, in and and the the Woodward book, uh, right. which which is very instructive and on which there are a lot of con- similar themes and some similar subject matter. There are people who jumped in to to protect him from himself. Um, not just Don McGahn. Early on, Rob Porter, who who got tossed but played a really critical even, role. Even Corey Lewandowski, uh, uh, <laughs> which even I'm Cor- shocked by. Now, that was a new piece of information. It was yeah. it wasn't a bombshell. <laughs> it was more a kind of a pathetic statement that this the, the, the president can't get the people that actually work for him to his do own neophyte so he's, army. He's going to go back to the guy that 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 Manafort and his own family persuaded him was the wrong person uh, as campaign. Campaign manager, but he still talks. He still and, talks, and, and, and Lewandowski runs. But even Lewandowski, yeah, is not exactly the brightest bulb in the tree. And for him to have seen that, yeah, this stuff is going to send somebody to jail. Well, uh, that's, I, whether it was that's pretty amazing, you know, what, send them to jail. I don't know. We we we'd, we could. That, that's a whole different conversation, right? Whether whether the stuff is constitutes obstruction. If if Don McGahn had had put into play. The the firing, let's say, of of Mueller, we would have a repeat of what happened with Nixon. We got right. rid of Archibald Cox, then we got Leon Jaworski. There would be, as another, is quoted in the report, a Saturday Night Massacre. There, but there would be another person. It wouldn't end it. Right. Or or the Congress would would jump in uh, towards impeachment. Right. Um, and, go, go ahead. And, jo- and joining us now, joining us from. The Windy City, Chicagoland area. She is the former ABC, NBC, and just all around media goddess that joins us from time to time. Laura Chavez. Hey, Laura. Hi, guys. How are you? Oh, so glad to have you back. in Washington, I hear. Yeah, we, we miss you. We miss you. Yeah. Hey, uh, let me ask you a question. We're, we're talking about, obviously, the Mueller report and the right. role of several of the fo- folks that we never would have guessed would have been adults in the room, but actually ended up turning out to be adults in the room, surprisingly. But the the big question, the guy who's coming out looking like a hero to Donald Trump, or at least the one guy that wouldn't throw himself under the bus but tried to protect the president and his job as White House counsel, is Don McGahn. Did America, because a lot of people criticized and said, whoa, wait a minute, Don McGahn's going to be White House counsel. This guy's way out of his league right now. Uh, did did the Mueller report kind of vindicate Don McGahn as being the sensible, practical White House counsel that we'd hoped for? Um, so first of all, let's just start by saying there are no heroes in this story. Like, bottom line, like, Yeah, Don McGahn did of the Mueller report, which was investigating, you know, corruption and talking with foreign agencies and a thousand other things, including 10 possible places to indict the president. There are no heroes. Don McGahn, while yes, came out probably looking the best, I don't think anyone's going to be like erecting a statue to him anytime soon. Dan Lipner, are you agreeing? Yeah, it, McGann's definitely not John Dean uh, it, 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 in this scenario. <laughs> uh, but is that a good thing or a bad <laughs> that's thing? That's what I was going to ask. Are, are you complimenting <laughs> him or are you insulting him? Probably a little of both. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I'm trying to remember. Was it Ty Cobb or uh, or McGann that the president was complaining about taking too many notes in meetings? 
McGann. It was both, actually. That was, uh, yeah, but it was more McGann. notably this time around, it was McGann. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, by the way, that's like something mobsters say, you know, make sure not to keep put put, put things on paper. It's it, it. The whole thing is just amazing. But, you know, you, you look at you look at the Mueller report, Alan, and it is literally everybody that was in the hierarchy from the attorney uh, that was directly or indirect, somewhat indirectly involved from the attorney general, Jeff Sessions, to Rod Rosenstein, to White House counsel Don McGahn, to uh, FBI director Comey, all the way down to, uh, you know, a colleague of Lewandowski that we had never heard of before. A guy by the name of Rick Dearborn, everybody in that line at some point defied the president in so, this. Yeah, so Rick Dearborn was not a, an associate of Corey Lewandowski. Rick Dearborn was deputy chief of staff to the president. Okay. And a former session senior aide, but who therefore had a close relationship with Corey with, Lewandowski. With, right. with Sessions. With Sessions, but yeah. also. Uh, they knew each other, yeah. sure. And he okay. said, hey, go talk to your old boss and take this, take up this but order. Even, but even president. he said, look, I'm uncomfortable with this. I'm not doing this at all, which seemed to be a running theme. Right. No, no. I mean, Lewandowski knew better, and he goes to Dearborn, because Dearborn's on the inside and close to Sessions, and Dearborn says, I'm not doing that. Um, the, you know, these people said they're, they're, they're not doing that. It may have been that if they had talked to, if Dearborn had talked to Sessions, the Sessions would have said, I'm not doing that. And, and there, were, there, were, there were multiple people involved here. I guess all I was saying before is that suppose Mueller had been, in fact, fired um the the way the president's instinct told him he should act and who knows who was giving him advice in that regard it doesn't matter um would that have been the end of the world would that have been would that have led directly to impeachment we don't know that i i i would maintain that it would have been incredibly stupid and and like steve bannon who said that firing comey was the dumbest political act he had seen in all of his uh all of his career that firing Mueller would have would have would have pushed that aside and been even dumber. But it's not like everything would then have stopped and been over. There would have been a major, massive call for another special counsel to come in. I don't. I'm glad that didn't happen. I'm glad these people stepped up. I'm glad they 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 said no. It is not that. I mean, this is. There's nothing like this in our history to compare. So when people say, "Have you ever seen anything like this?" Well, no, not like this. But it's not at all uncommon for people to take orders from their bosses that they don't that they think would be a huge mistake and just let them die. That's that it, it, what what it is in this president. It's a daily activity apparently, and a, with a constantly changing cast of characters. Some of the people who've done this are now gone, and the people who are there now are no doubt in some way, shape, or form doing some of the same thing. Not enough because the right. president, he doesn't have anybody controlling his, uh, the, his Twitter account, and, and that's a constant source of problems and embarrassment. And even among the Trump faithful, many of them say, I wish he would stay off Twitter. Right. But well, Lord Chavez... Did it surprise you the narrative of the lies and the changed stories that were coming out at all senior levels of the administration 
in order to protect the president? And should that narrative disturb the American electorate, or is that just the price of playing baseball in D.C.? I don't think I would be personally surprised if every if people were surprised themselves by the amount of lies that came out of this administration. It is no it, it's not like anyone's like, oh, my gosh, Donald Trump, he's you know, he's the new honest Abe. You know, he can't cut down a cherry tree without telling a lie like that is not the standard to which this presidency is being held. Everybody knows that, you know, his uh, inaugural crowd was not the largest in history, but that is yet another lie that they've doubled down on from the day one. Lies from this administration is nothing new. I don't think anyone was surprised by the amount of lies that were coming out of there. I think there were some surprises as to who was always, who was lying, um, especially, and I'm not going to lie, like a lot of journalists kind of, uh, I spoke to a couple of them off the record, just, you know, chatting and catching up with friends, but a lot of them were kind of pleased to see that Sarah Sanders was finally called out. Like, she is the face of this administration. She is one of the faces of this administration. Everyone knew that she was lying to the press, but this was actually finally documented evidence where there was, you know, proof of her saying, like, no, I absolutely lied about that. No, this was a, this was a false, this was a falsified statement as well. So I don't think there was they weren't lies. Nearly multiple misstatements on the exact same topic over a period of days. So, <laughs> I mean, I... You know, I get it. Things I'm forgetful at times too. I leave my house without my keys. I uh, I forget what time dinner's at and all that jazz. But like, if you lie that many times about the exact same thing, you can't keep moving the goal line on people without having them notice. It, so I don't think anyone was truly surprised by the amount of uh, by the amount of lies, not only in uh, quantity but in uh, by people who are actually tossing them out. Uh, but I think people were surprised at um, possibly the severity of them. Like there were some, there were some things said in this report that, you know, probably got, I think the most surprised person about the lies was probably Donald Trump, to be quite honest. Did- I, and I think that's mostly because he didn't think anyone was actually going to be straight with the special counsel. I think he grossly misunderestimated the uh, intimidation factor of the Mueller team and the fact, or he just didn't understand, you know, the fact that like you're supposed to tell the truth to these guys. And that's probably why they didn't have him go do it. Cause he's terrible at that. Right. Alan Moore. Well, yeah. Let me, let me follow up on what, uh, what Laura is saying here, because <clears throat> a calculated decision was made early on by the president, but upon the advice of the two lead lawyers at the time, Ty Cobb and John Dowd, um, who were leading his team. And and their view was, let your people talk. You've got nothing to hide. You're the, there, there was no, there was no collusion. No, that was the word that was of course in common use, but no coordination, no collaboration, no conspiracy. Let them talk. And then if we if you do that, Mr. President, this thing will be over. And Ty Cobb famously said a few months in, we're going to be done by November, November of 2017. And it was another 18 or so months uh, before we were actually done. I think had they had it to do over again with people like Don McGahn, the, the insiders, 
the president who who did things after the president was in fact president and not a candidate and not in transition, but president, they would have they would have exerted executive privilege. Um, having said that, they they went down a different road early on, and we talked on this show many many months ago when it became public knowledge that Don McGam had had spent something like thirty hours right. with Mueller. It was. It, it, it was, oh, my God, people, watch out. A guy like Don McGahn, who's in the room, who's been given permission to talk, um, who's who, who's a young man who wants to work in this town again, you, you never know what he's going to say in 30 hours, but there's going to be a lot of stuff there that's that's likely to be highly embarrassing. And then, and then months later, we started getting uh, reports like the one that has now been established by people talking under oath, but it was the New York Times who reported last year, a long, it was a long time ago, that Don McGahn had been pushed to to get rid of Mueller, and he and he and he refused and, and threatened to quit. So that that was why that it, it it's sort of appalling reminder in to see all the detail, but it wasn't new. Right. It, it was old, just now confirmed. The president, right. of course, used right. to call the, it the fake news. Things shouldn't be understated. That's the, the, that's a big element of this. The confirmed is a big item. Okay. And, oh, and I don't. And 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 I I'm not saying it's not big. All I'm saying is in terms of public perception, the 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 I, I think most people believed it was true, Republicans and Democrats alike. And so when you get to the question, were there bombshells in here? Well, they are old bombshells with new with new details, um, and and confirmed by people who spoke under oath. But but it's it's old news. It's old information. So if you're a supporter of the president, you say, "I don't see any horrible, disastrous thing in here." Painful as it is to to kind of review all these things in one in one place. Um, and if you and if you if you think that this president uh, is not worthy of, of serving, and you either want to impeach him or make sure that he's that he's that he's defeated in 2020, this this simply revs you up a little bit more. Right, uh, Dan. Linder, oh no, go ahead, Laura. Laura Chavez, go ahead. But isn't that isn't that one of the biggest dangers of this? The fact that yes, these are bombshells that are now you know officially in the Mueller report, you know, we all knew about most of them prior to coming out. And now they, they should still be having a gigantic impact. These are big things. And everyone's like, Oh, no, we totally knew about that. Yeah, there was a meeting with Russians back in June of whatever. Oh, don't worry about that. The danger in that very statement is that now people are just like, mind them to it. But like, Lord, there is no real reaction at that point in time. These should still be very, very, very big deals. Right. But yeah, Laura is absolutely correct. I mean, this is the Mueller report, and this is part of the, the breakdown that's occurred. And I, I definitely understand the political, the, the politics behind it, where people don't want to overstate the facts. Uh, but the facts themselves are pretty horrendous. And the, I mean, just from just stepping back for a second, how does the White House press corps sit there and listen to Sarah Huckabee Sanders say anything ever again? 
considering she is now under oath having said she lied to them. That is supposed to be a sacred trust between the the press secretary and the White House press corps. You can sing, you can dance, you can do all sorts of things to at least come up with creative statements. That's not what she did. It was a black and white issue of just telling an untruth. And it's not the only one she's done. And I, the only thing I disagree with is the president seeing this stuff. I suspect the president thought she was telling the truth uh, from the podium. And with everything that's in the report is a lie. Right. But that's the fantasy world he lives in, as opposed to the facts that s- seem to very clearly be on the side of there was all of the stuff we think happened. Uh, a lot of that's already been confirmed. And the stuff that we still might have happened. The only reason it hasn't been confirmed is this pesky little issue of possibly obstruction of justice starting at the press of the United States. This is not a small thing. Alan Moore? No, I was chuckling at the at, at the way they solved the, the problem between with, with Sarah Sanders' credibility with the press. She doesn't hold press conferences anymore. I think there've been two this year. Right. So, so there are press briefings. So, so they don't have to listen to her. And the next time she chooses to go out there, they're going to hammer her with this set of questions. For the record, you should know that although Mueller lays it out, and they obviously have it on tape and and and, and so and so on, she's now denying that right. that, that that's. <laughs> that that's what she meant, um, it, which is bizarre in it in it, in its own way. But but uh, she she didn't lose her credibility here. She lost it a long time ago. But but the press doesn't have to listen to her um, because they don't have the opportunity to. Okay, uh, we are because we're running up on, on on five minutes here before the end of uh, the this segment. Want to ask you a couple of quick questions, short answers. Number one, did did the report actually vindicate James Comey, Alan? Did it vindicate Comey? I yeah. Uh, because there's a lot of times in here that we see that Comey's account is accurate. Comey's account is true. We see that at least three or four times. Well, so the the, the big question with, with with Comey was his private meetings with the president, where Comey said that the president asked him to back off of Flynn and 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 ask for his loyalty, and he dodged the loyalty question uh, and said that he really couldn't back off of of Flynn. He wrote down notes at the time, shared all of those notes uh, with with some colleagues, and then with Mueller. Um, so on in in that regard, that again, that sort of old news. Mueller looked at it all and said, "Yeah, we believe Comey," but the president would would continue to deny. Comey's got a whole host of other issues, but in that regard, he he clearly um, prevailed. But I think has prevailed for a long it's time. A shallow vet, is it a shallow victory? I don't think it helps him very much. I don't because I think most people have always believed that he wrote the notes. People took, you know, he took flack from from supporters of the president for having given his notes 
to a, to a, to a, a friend, friend a professor gave a who gave it to reporters right. and said that he somehow violated national secrets, which of course was not true. Right. He was just saying the, it was he was sharing it, his memories with someone, happened to write them down and 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 gave them to somebody else, which was probably a dumb way to do it, but an effective way. Lord Chavez, do you agree? I do. And I, again, I'm my main takeaway from this whole Mueller report is no one is coming away from this smelling like a rose. But I do think Comey comes out a little bit better than he did before the report was released. It's one of those things that, you know, whether people like you or they hate you, at least they know that you were telling the truth. And that's right. really all that he can walk away with. Uh, Dan Lipner? Yeah, no, I think Comey's coming off a little bit better. I mean, his biggest issue it's not going to help him with is his poor political judgment on understanding what the response to any of his actions was going to be politically. But substantively, I've always stood by that Comey's judgment on as actual law enforcement has been bulletproof. Um, the only person who, as far as publicly out there right now who seems to be even more bulletproof is Mueller. Right. Well, we're uh, we're coming up to the end of this segment. Uh, we're going to continue this discussion on the next show, uh, at least for part of it. There's a lot more that we've got to go over from the Mueller report. We even touched on uh, the strategy and the end game. We're going to talk about that in our next segment. But on behalf of Alan Moore, Laura Chavez, Dan Lipner. I am your host and moderator, Justin Russell. A special thanks to Rob the Engineer for putting together that really cool bumper music and that really cool intro. Thank you, buddy. Uh, always love to thank Oscar and Charlie here at Podcast Village. Uh, you can follow us on our website with the historical documents, www.backroompolitics.org. You can follow us on Twitter, at backroompolitics. You can also follow us on Instagram at Backroom Politics. Uh, you can also follow. You can also download us as a podcast, which a lot of you do. Uh, your favorite podcast uh, services, whether it's iTunes, Google Podcasts, or even Spotify. Yeah, we're kind of a big deal now. Uh, this is the best political talk show. We'll see you next time, America. Have a good one. I got along with you.